and Mary Postmortem. Woo! So we're well into October now and we're feeling the October vibes and most folks like to do 31 Days of Horror Cinema. So today, listeners, we have a scary movie gore lore show for you. And Kira! We. We're welcoming our first guest ever today. I know, I'm so excited! I'm stoked. It's horror author TJ Trantle. Hi, TJ. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I am spookily happy to be here. <laughs> that, we'll give that one to you. <laughs> <laughs> so specifically with our scary movies today, we want to touch on ones that have been filmed in Utah. Um, and the most prolific one that comes to mind is Halloween 4, the Halloween house in pretty much downtown Salt Lake. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You think about that, and like everybody has that image of the Myers house from the first film, which was shot in Pasadena, California, Mm -hmm. even though it's set in Illinois. Right. But that small town vibe, by the time they got to those four, five, and six sequels, didn't really exist anymore in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. So lo and behold, they swept into Utah and found what they needed. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And when I, I'm slow to this knowledge because pretty much after Halloween too, I kind of dropped out of the franchise. Um, so when I, when I heard this a few years ago, I was floored, but then it made a lot of sense because in downtown Salt Lake, it's one of the only places in Utah where we really preserve history and try to keep that like nostalgic or small town, small town or everyday America vibe. So when I heard that, it made sense, especially with all the Victorian architecture that we have in the downtown area and throughout the um, more rural or smaller places of Utah. It really does work, especially for that franchise, because really that Halloween franchise, even the new films are very much about small communities and small groups of people and how how they can be affected by something over decades and over years and so being able to bring that something like that into a utah setting even though you know it's still quote unquote illinois really makes that kind of magic happen and so they get those great old houses in salt lake they get those fields that used to be around ogden and all that just kind of farmland which sadly of course is all being taken up by urban sprawl now Right. But, but we still get to see it there and that's what's great you yeah. know we can it's for me watching those movies and some of the others that are filmed there are like reliving my childhood like even though I didn't grow up in Salt Lake I grew up in Payson and a little bit up in Cache Valley I can watch those and say that's what my childhood looked like especially around Halloween because that's my favorite time of year Right. It would have to be because your birthday is on Halloween. Happy birthday. It is. I'm also jealous of that fact. Like, you got to be a dude in this life. You got to have your birthday on Halloween. You got to be an author. So everyone 
need to go buy his books for his birthday. It's true. That would be awesome. But, <laughs> that is you know, the best birthday gift you can give somebody who is an entrepreneur or an independent artist. It's a present to me and to you. Yeah. So it gives it both ways. No. Um, you mentioned that you grew up in Payson, um, yep. but that movies still remind you of home and give you a sense of nostalgia. I, I like that you said that because I've mentioned this before on this show, but outside of like Salt Lake, Utah, and Weber counties, a lot of Utah is undeveloped and rural because of the desert and whatnot. So when you're from Utah, you can kind of tell, like you tell, you know what our desert looks like. I know when I was watching Heredity, I knew that it was filmed in Utah before I saw the license plates because I saw the the rock formations in the Wasatch. That same thing happened to me watching that. And And I got chills, especially because the subject matter of that film, which is essentially grief and mental illness. Right. It's such a huge issue in Utah. Thank and like, you. And they do such a good job of not blatantly saying this right. is happening in Utah. Right. It just, it just is. It just exists. And they don't have to say it. And it, I think it makes it that much more powerful. That I didn't even think of that. But I love that you said the mental illness thing, because that's where my mind went to, is that Utah has this perception mostly because of the religion that it's really clean cut and happy here. And it's quite the opposite. Like some really disturbing stuff happens in this state. And there's a lot of hush, hush, like hush, 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 like societal, like rules, I guess. Like people are very hush, hush in Utah. I feel like Um, they are. And it still gets on the list of happiest places to live. And like, yeah, it's also one of the highest antidepressant, suicide rates opioid opioid addictions yeah there's a lot of unhappiness in utah and it gets whitewashed you yourself tj have made a story about well it's takes place in utah um but for cry down dark it has the whole small town vibe so for you as a horror author and someone who's grown up in the chaos that is utah what do you think is what draws people to the small town? Like, why is it so unsettling? Why is it so horrifying? It, what makes it such an ideal setting for a horror story? I think a lot of it is because it can reach everybody. Like people who grew up in cities can be terrified by small town horror because it's so foreign to them. People who grew up in the small towns can be scared by it because they know exactly what it's like. And so it has that greater mass appeal. I know a lot of people from rural areas who can't relate to something set in New York City. So they'll watch Friends and be, oh, look, all these friends. But they don't necessarily identify with the Mm -hmm. city itself. But then they read Stephen King and Peter Straub books, things like this, and get that sense of, this may be hundreds, thousands of miles away from me, but I still know those people. Mm-hmm. And the places are very much tied into the people because the places influence who the people become. Right. And so those rural settings, you know, there may not be as many people to become characters in a fiction, but that allows you to dive deeper into every single character and make them matter a little bit more like you're gonna in a large city you're gonna have people who 
you may bump into all the time walking down the sidewalk to work, but they don't necessarily affect your life. Mm-hmm. In a in a rural story, every pretty much everybody has some connection to you that affects your life because people get married to the same people, right? Fam- mm-hmm. Families marry people from other families and then they might go away, but then they come back and it's those four or five families that end up essentially running a town. And you might be that one person who moved in for some reason to this small town. You're like, I don't, I'm not related to any of these people. What's going right. on? <laughs> and so they just, they have more effect on you in that kind of small t- town. I completely agree with that. I, I, I like that you said that, like the, the alien, not like aliens, but like aliens. the alien person being dropped into like a foreign territory. Um, that alone is frightening to go to a new place with new people and then to see, like to kind of uncover, I guess, the dirty, dark secrets of the people who were, were in the town because you, you didn't exactly say it, but what I heard was, you kind of allude to like curses and, and generational problems or like the town never evolves or anything because it's the same type of um, actions and behavior just being passed on from one family to the, to the next generation. And then the two families in the town or the three families in the town are influencing each other and then their kids influence each other. And so you just get almost a level of stagnantness and then you drop in a foreign person who causes a bunch of chaos and now you have room for a story or for, you know, whatever else is going to happen that might be horrifying or unsettling. That's exactly it. That whole sense of who's the outsider. Sometimes the outsider is the hero of the story. It, right. Sometimes it's the villain. And sometimes it's the same person being the hero and the villain because an outsider hero in one of these stories is a villain to everybody else right so my book cry down dark the main character peter tombs is the outsider hero but he's messing up everybody else's life in that town so he's the villain from a different perspective from a different perspective but me as you know the, the um devil's advocate if you're in a place where people are set in their ways and their ways are toxic and someone comes in and questions them, it doesn't matter if you're doing good or bad. You're going to automatically be demonized because you're questioning what has never been questioned before. Um, so sometimes, like you said, the, the person who is a stranger can be the hero and that the whole story will lead you up to believe that they're, you know, the demon or the antagonist or whatever of the story and then you get those awesome, tw- kind of like frailty. Did you ever see frailty? Oh, I love frailty. I Yeah, it's like that type of concept where you mm-hmm. think that this person is, you know, one thing or another, whether they're the hero or the antagonist. And then there's this huge twist right before the end that just leaves you like floored about this character and all of this development that you just watched or just experienced. Yep. Yeah. Well, and stories like this are great for Utah because it's kind of <laughs> a place where you're not supposed to ask questions. In your book... Um, unfortunately, neither of us were able to read it. We didn't have time to download it and read it. (laughs) We're all going to read it together. I'm very intrigued though. Like what I read presents coming, (laughs) we're going to buy two copies. (laughs) Who wants to join in with us people? Yay. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Consume.
Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, on Goodreads, though, there was a review, a four-star review that gave a lot of in-depth about the story. It was very intriguing to me. It's right up what I normally read. I'm curious to know, is any of the characters or any of the aspects of the characters you? Did you put any of yourself into the story other than your, your home state? That's my favorite question. Um, one of the reasons it took me so long to write this particular book is because it's also a grief process book for me. Okay. Um, a friend of mine from high school who I dated and loved very much died of a brain tumor when oh. she was 23. And so this was me trying to figure out how to write this story. And it took two years for me to start writing the story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's still heavily fictionalized. Right. But there's also still a lot of truth in there. So the short answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the long answer is you won't tell us which characters. <laughs> uh, well, um, your Read the book. <laughs> your listeners can't see it, but I am a pure 100% real redhead. <laughs> oh, Carrie and I had noticed that you were a junior. <laughs> or at least I did to make that joke. And the main character, Peter Toombs, is sort of the, partly the person that I thought I was and partly the person I wished I could be. Okay. And... The places are very real. I renamed them. Um, anybody who reads the book and travels around Utah could probably find the exact cemetery where some of the action happens. Well, now I have to figure it out. <laughs> you just got to find the right road, the right canyon up to the right small mountain town. Well, let me ask you, if I'm reading your book and I start like getting my little, you know, Nancy Drew notebook put together of where I think the cemetery is, if I hit you up on, on the social media, will you confirm whether or not I'm right? Or are you going to send me on like a wild goose chase to just be like, there you go, have fun. No, no, I'd let you know. Okay, good. Right. I've had some other readers um, message me while they were in that, in the town. Um, there's, there's two towns in my books. Mm -hmm. um, in Cry Down Dark, most of the action happens in a town that I called Burn, B-E-R-N, and the rest happens in a town that I called Blackhawk. Mm -hmm. And the second novel, Tell No Man, is all in Blackhawk. Um, so I've had people reading Cry Down Dark while they're in the town that is Burn and message me freaked out. <laughs> because they're like oh my gosh this is where I am right now this is this is the right place right I'm like, yeah have fun <laughs> you're like sucker I actually looked up burn and there is one in Idaho and so originally I thought that maybe you were from northern Utah like Logan or Brigham City area and then I read your um WordPress saying that you were from Payson and so I was yep. like oh no that's in the wrong direction there's, there's a grand tradition in, in the country um, and a lot in the West and the Northwest of people trying to recreate towns where their ancestors came from. Mm -hmm. 
And so, for example, I live up here in Washington State now, and there's a cool town called Leavenworth, which is a fake Swiss village. Mm-hmm. So Bern is named after the Swiss city Bern, and the real town that it's named after has that same kind of touristy mountain Swiss village. So That's there's cool. your there's your first clue. <laughs> it's not enough. <laughs> now it's I'm just like going to be obsessively hunt. pinging you, like, tell me it more. <laughs> um, if, for people who want another clue, early in the book, there's a joke that actually reveals the name. So oh, well, now I'm going to get it. it. <laughs> yep. We're getting it anyway, Mary. No, I mean, like, once I read the joke, I'm going to be like, ah, oh. giving the book to Jesus thumbs. Yep. So essentially, I dropped the name of the town in the book, but not in the context of naming it. I think that's cool. Clever. Plus, who doesn't like hidden treasure hunts and Easter eggs stories? (laughs) I know. I know when I wrote my story, I put a ton of Easter eggs in them, all that went unnoticed. We do that in our podcasts. (laughs) So much fun. It really is. And I've been doing that too. Like for a long time, I avoided wanting to write about Utah like I'd moved away I had another life and I didn't want to do it and it all just sort of came back and now it's like well this is the thing I'm supposed to do and and even more in the last couple of years where it's like you know this actually is going to work out for me and I know a lot of other Utah writers and some of them who are better than I am but they don't necessarily always want to touch on Utah as a setting or Utah as a people. And, you know, some of it's church stuff, some of it's whatever their own reasons are. They just don't necessarily want to dive into that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it. Yeah. I think that's awesome. More people knew do me need to. I think that people's hesitation with Utah is to keep the facade. It's the whole idea that like, like the Utah bubble, like it's very clean. It's very upstanding, yada, yada, yada. So I think people don't touch it because they don't want like the community to come after them and be like, you misrepresented it, which is why we have an advantage here is because we, we don't care. And we grew <laughs> up here. So, well, and my thing is like, I want to write these characters um, realistically and respectfully at the same time. Right. And so like, I'm going to have real Mormon characters who are real people who are nice people, right. who in a lot of ways are genuinely good people. They just don't necessarily know everything. Or like right. they might not, you know, there's a little bit of naivete there. There's some, like, I thought I was doing the right thing there kind of stuff. And a lot of hindsight. Yeah. Yep. And of course, a lot of good people still do bad things. Yeah, it's true. Well, and all that just kind of adds to everything in the mystery of it all until you get to the end of the story. It's true. There's a lot to say about the build in any story or any movie that you watch that gives you the full context for you as the viewer to become the character or to become another character in the story where you can kind of navigate and submerge yourself. Yep. Um, we already mentioned the Halloween house. Um, what else do you want to cover? 
<laughs> yeah. Are there any other movies you yourself oh. want to cover, TJ? I want to talk about, <laughs> no, this is great. I want to talk about one of my favorite Utah set movies because it's it's starting to gain a little bit more traction right now, but it's basically been off the radar for a long time. Take it away. Tell us. Teach um, us. So most famously, probably the most famous Utah filmed movie is Footloose. Uh-huh. Yes. Footloose is filmed in a lot in Payson and Utah County. And for me personally, my grandfather was the manager of the single screen theater in Payson while I was a kid. Wow. And so that's where I grew up. I grew up in the movie theater, but he had enough pull that after they were filming, after they were done filming Footloose, um, he got to see a test screening and got them to cut a couple of things so that he could actually show it in his theater. Um, But Footloose was popular enough that other people came in to be like, we want to film here too. Wow. And so the next movie that was filmed in Payson is this film called Warning Signs. It's essentially a zombie movie. It's like, think about Resident Evil and 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. but in the 80s with no CGI and no actual zombies, but still with this sort of anger virus that breaks out in a chemical warfare biological warehouse. That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> and it, it gets people sick, right? And yeah. part of the sickness is anger and they start killing people and killing each other. And they're all locked into this one building. Um, the one building, the exteriors that they shot it in for is in Payson. And at the time where it was shot, it's like on the edge of town in a section of town called West Mountain. And the building is still there. So anybody could like go and see it. But at the Road time- Yep. At the time, (laughs) my grandparents' house was the only house on this corner. And then there was a dirt field, which sometimes had corn in it, but was mostly just dirt. Mm -hmm. And then another couple houses. And then this warehouse, which for most of my childhood was closed, they were doing anything there. And so they filmed this at this warehouse. And Sam Waterston from Law and Order is in it. Oh, wow. Yafit Koto from Alien. Right. <laughs> also, one of my aunts was an extra. She plays a dead body. And my mom was an extra. And she's part of the sort of townspeople mob on the outside. And there's a great shot uh, later in the film where like all of the townspeople mob are like, what's going on in there? All our friends and family are in there and we need to get them out rah, 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 right and so the camera pans behind the crowd and for about a second and a half my mom who's just as much of a redhead as I am <laughs> the back of her head fills the screen and I just absolutely love it that's like, awesome she's there I was five four or five when they filmed this movie but I get to watch and go that's my mom. That's my mom. <laughs> the movie itself isn't necessarily that great. You know, like I said, it kind of got lost. The guy who directed it um, is a guy named Hal Barwood. And he worked for Spielberg. And so that's how he got to make his own movie. Like Spielberg funded this movie and it absolutely tanked. And the oh. guy never directed another movie again. Spielberg kept him employed though. So that's he ended good. up 
becoming <laughs> the guy who made all of the Indiana Jones computer games for oh, wow. decades. That's but he cool. never made another movie. I was looking over the Wikipedia as I was messing with my drink and spilling it all over the place. I'm wondering if it got lost in the shuffle because when you started describing it and just kind of looking over the plot, it kind of reminds me of Return of the Living Dead, which Return of the Living Dead was not popular, but it got a cult status. And they both came out in 85 um, mm-hmm. in the summertime. They, it looks like they were both probably intended to be a horror movie of the summertime. Yep. Um, but it's... Lost in the shuffle, just yeah, never caught on. Uh, what's it, crazy now is I've seen it pop up mm-hmm. on a couple other people's like, oh, random horror movies. And I always chime in like, you got to watch this movie. Right. Blah, 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 blah. You know, my fingers start blazing telling everybody about <laughs> it. It's like, come on, watch this movie. Like, especially for zombie fans. Um, right. Jeffrey DeMunn, who is in the first season of The Walking Dead, is in mm-hmm. it. And... um now, I, I completely <laughs> lost his name. The guy who was the the captain in the Police Academy movies <gasps> about the same time that Steve Gutenberg just oh. made into the jerk uh. one that always carries the, <laughs> Is it G.W. Bailey? Is that his yeah, name? Yep, G.W. <laughs> Bailey is in it. Dude, I love that guy. I love and that movie. So he's in it. So, you know, there's people, like fairly popular people at the time were involved in this movie and it just went it's nowhere. Different. But so it's this, got that same kind of like 28 days later uh, rage virus thing. And we're going to make it a thing. We're going to bring it back. I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, it. It looks like, again, from Wikipedia, it looks like a mashup of Return to the Living Dead and then Dawn of the Dead, like the original Dawn of the Dead when they're trapped in the, in the mall and everybody's starting to get like high tensions about it, but they can't leave the mall because of the zombies. Yep. But if we're going to talk about bad 80s movies and <laughs> 80s movies filmed in Utah, Yes. We have to talk about Troll 2. Yes. Oh, God. Of course we have to. So I haven't seen it, but I read a Room Morgue article about it, and... Oh. Horrible, Mary. Yeah. It's horrible. It's so <laughs> awesome. bad. It's so, so bad. So bad. So here's the great thing. Like, I love finding um, connections that I can make to these films. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a theater kid in high school. This does not surprise that, me. That I went to high school anyway. And so... In the summer between my freshman and my sophomore year, um, I tried to really get into film acting. And so I did this Saturday class in Salt Lake. I drove up, my, sometimes my sister would take me, sometimes my mom would take me. I'd drive up to Salt Lake and we did this film acting class in the basement of one of the libraries in Salt Lake. And the teacher of the class was this guy named Lance Williams. You could Google him and find a bunch of stuff that he's done. He was, he was in Troll 2. He was this character named Mr. Presence. <laughs> One of the townspeople who's just weird. He's a big, tall, gangly guy. And just for me being able to go, I took acting lessons from a guy who was in the worst movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, I just think that's awesome. We'll have to get a picture of him. And put him on the uh, all the socials so then everyone will know what we're talking about. That would be so fantastic. <laughs> He's been I'm looking at his IMBD right now. He tells this great story um, about how he was auditioning for the stand 
also filmed in Utah, mm-hmm. the miniseries from the 90s. And he was auditioning for the role of Campion, the first guy that gets infected at the army base. And he was talking to another guy who was hadn't auditioned a whole bunch. They were talking about the approach to the character. And Lance tells the story about how he talked about just being a super nervous, but also holding back that sort of military attitude of you have to do the right thing and follow orders, but also be scared. And he's, Lance says he bombed his audition and the other guy he was talking to is the one who got the part. <laughs> I, I just love stories like that. Right? The universe comes crashing down on you in one fell swoop. Right. Like, oh dear. Um, yeah, that movie, it's one of those movies that I love bad movies. I get a thrill out of them, but it's one of those ones where I'm like, I'm not sure if this is good, bad, or bad. It's just so Troll Tool is bad, bad. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of people love it because it's so bad. I'm like, no, it's still bad, bad. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not the kind of good bad that you could watch on your own. Like Plan Nice from Outer Space. It's in that same area. Okay. Right? So maybe mm-hmm. I would like it then because maybe. no, no. <laughs> She's like, no, just trust me, it's terrible. Don't watch it by yourself. No. You gotta watch it with other people. That's when it's fun because then everybody is having a good time and laughing at how horrible it is. It's like you don't watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show by yourself. You watch it with other people so you can all sing and laugh and have Mm -hmm. a good time. It's a party movie. It's not a good good movie. It's a party movie. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's a sleepover movie, a slumber party movie. For sure. It'll give you nightmares, but for different reasons. Right. And if, it won't if, scare you. It will just make you groan. If like your young teens have that kind of sleepover party movie and they watch it, you'll get a call from somebody's parent the next day. <laughs> what did you let my kid watch? And the rest of the kids will be like, <laughs> we got away with something. <laughs> One movie I remember being filmed in Utah was Bats when I was in high school, because that came out in 1999 and it had David Arquette in it. Yep. See, and that's one of those good desert Utah movies. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, too, because there are actual bats in Utah. Sometimes I see movies that are filmed in Utah that are not accurate. Like, we don't have that in Utah. Stop lying to people. <laughs> <laughs> they're filmed there, but, you know, they're they're set somewhere else. Like, all right. the, like Payson, again, it's rife with the Hallmark Christmas movies mm-hmm. because it has such a, an old downtown Right, historic downtown, one of those things that the Hallmark movies love. Right. And it's like, no, that's not happening here. It's true. <laughs> it's not that quaint. I it's know we not. advertise it that way, but it's not. It looks nice. It looks good on a postcard. It does. It really does. What movies do you have, Kara? Um, for what? <laughs> just, just in general. For the movie. <laughs> movie. Movie, any horror movie. Well, you get me, a horror movie, and TJ gets a horror movie, and I get a horror movie. We all, we all get horror movies. <laughs> Let's see. So it's not super horror, but Cannibal the Musical. The musical called Cannibal. What? Oh, I love that. Yes, what? he knows. He's cool, Mary. <laughs> 
it took me like day? i am <laughs> it took me forever to find out it took me until like 2000 i don't know 2015 to find out that young frankenstein was a musical too that was floor. Yeah, Cannibal the Musical by Trey Parker and Matt Stone from South Park. Oh, yeah. One of their early movies. Uh-huh. It's oh. really bad, but I like it. <laughs> it's also based on a true story. It's true. It's true. I like how they they like to pick on Utah things. <laughs> it's because their best friends were Mormon growing up. Yep. Right dum, on the dum, other dum, side dum, of the dum. I think it's funny that they make fun of Mormons um, based on the fact that they knew Mormons from Colorado. I'm like, <laughs> Mormons from Colorado are not Mormons from Utah. <laughs> Mormons from anywhere, but are Utah not Mormons are not from exactly Utah. the same. And yeah. like, you try to explain that to people. And it's like, <laughs> they don't get it's it. the same, but it's not really the same. And there's a huge difference there between is. people who grew up in the church in Utah and, and grew up, people yeah. who, who joined the church and people who grew up in the church somewhere else it's right so true and, it's like uh, different zombie genres right <laughs> or or like the difference between someone who's orthodox religion versus someone who's not orthodox yep. but there's definitely a i call it a negative culture but there's definitely like a negative culture in utah surrounding like religious expectations i'll phrase it that way and that's where i think you have to live here in order to understand it so when you say it to someone who you know grew up in california or idaho or montana or wherever and is mormon they're like that's not true the doctrine's the same i'm like trust me i know about the doctrine and right. it's different <laughs> right have you ever tried to i think it's a little easier now but you ever try to buy a coca-cola on a sunday in the 80s in utah I just get that look of what are you doing? Like you're selling it to me. You're not supposed to be at work today. Right. Here. right? Am I the bad person for drinking a Coke or are you the bad person for selling it to me? Have you guys heard of Silent Night, Deadly Night? Yes, but I haven't seen it. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh-huh. Hmm. It's one of those, like it's one of those great ones because of controversy. Mm -hmm. right? Because again that small town setting it's yep. totally a halloween ripoff before <laughs> halloween came to film in utah which i think it's fascinating yeah and you know you get that same kind of weird weird vibe and that was another one filmed like in that 83 to 85 period mm -hmm. where people are like we can go film here and nobody's paying attention they just want our money we can do whatever we want yeah <laughs> and that's what they did and yeah, I love controversy like that. Like, like yeah. I told, said about um, Footloose and my grandpa influencing some change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, band movies in Utah just make me laugh. Like, my grandpa <laughs> had a, a heck of a time. Um, there's the old George Burns, John Denver movies. Oh God and Oh God, You Devil. Uh -huh. <laughs> comedies right yeah. John Denver Utahns love John Denver and George Burns there's no problem with this mm -hmm. he got so much garbage <laughs> for putting oh god and oh god you devil on the marquee <laughs> that it almost wasn't worth it like <laughs> they're not even going to see the movie like, who cares right like, oh you can't put that where sign where anybody's going to see it oh that no 
<laughs> That's you bring up a couple good points. Um, the first one is how people can't seem to handle being uncomfortable. Um, because you you mentioned it, no one's gonna see it, but they were still offended that it was on the poster. Right. Um, like they didn't know how to deal with being uncomfortable. And then the other thing is how you mentioned um nobody's watching us film, we'll just go he'll film here and it's a Halloween, essentially a Halloween ripoff. Those are all valid for um the slasher invasion of like the 70 and eight, 70s and 80s. Oh yeah. Because of the whole fact of these are successful. So now we're going to try to cash cow everything we can. And here's a location that we know is in the United States and is less expensive to film in. So it's kind of like the perfect storm to come in and make all of these crazy B horror movies and like lesser known horror movies with, I mean, Utah backgrounds and Utah ties to it. Well, not just that, but Utah actors. Right? Yes. Because Utahns. Yes. And I still, this still is weird to me how this disconnect but Utahns love theater mm -hmm. and acting and all that that's why there's so many you know big church productions that they yes. show to each other yeah. because we like to act right and and it didn't matter in general what you were acting in because you weren't the one you know necessarily getting killed or doing the killing or anything you were you were a background extra or whatever right. and you were used to low wages so you can take whatever you want. Like I, that summer, I filmed a commercial for the Utah Education Association. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just for fun. It was an anti-bullying commercial. It was great. And I got barely union scale wages for the day, which was 50 bucks. And the shoot was catered by Taco Bell. I brought in Taco Bell. And it took that's, us all day. We shot in a high That's like 12 hours of work. And yeah, we shot in a high school. It was super hot anyway. Because it's a Utah high school without air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, in the summer when it was closed. You filmed it in the desert. <laughs> plus the lights. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Lights and you're, you're, like, I feel like I'm sitting in our high school right now as you're describing this. Right. So you can get cheap, you can get cheap talent and save money. And part of me thinks, you know, I just need to get some of these people to adapt my stuff and film it there you should because i would it's, love that that would be amazing you hear that people out there? yeah if, let's make it happen i know our listeners act especially if they're from utah i do know that's one of the selling points of utah that's where a lot of our economy comes from is from big production companies building that's one of the reasons why robert redford brought sundance here as well yep um well see, a lot of us mormon kids did road shows do they still do that i don't know where like, you or, or like every ward would get their five or 10 minute little skit together and then you would travel to other wards during the week Saturday nights and you would get like three or four four or five of these and everybody would do their little skit and you know it, it always had some kind of church message and when I was in like when I was deep into theater in high school and I was living with my grandparents my grandma uh, told the people in charge of her ward that I was an actor. And they're like, oh, we got to get him in our roadshow. We got to get him in our roadshow. And so the last church affiliated acting I ever did, uh, I played the devil. And Is it because you were a ginger? <laughs> um, it's that. And I was like, I got to, I can't be the good guy. 
Like I gotta, I gotta be the villain. The Plus villains are more time, fun. It's true. I, villains are more fun. I had a New Jersey Devils hockey jersey, so that was my <laughs> costume. And so I'm, I'm the devil whispering into, "Hey, go do this bad thing." Ha, 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 ha. But did you have a Jersey accent too? I did not. I did not. <sighs> TJ, oh, you sure? It was a missed opportunity. That, but, yes, you know. that was the only thing missing from your perfect um, devil. You had the jersey, like you had the devil jersey shirt. You had the ginger hair. All you needed was the accent. I know. Nobody <laughs> saw it. <laughs> Nobody saw it except for the people in my state. Right. That was not something I went through when I was Mormon. We did like performances at girls camp and whatnot. I just didn't go. <laughs> Here is the devil. The real oh, devil. Well. <laughs> I'm like, eh, I'm going to go play with Barbies or something. Barbies are cool. <laughs> Heck yeah. Although there was one time I got all my Barbies, I was on the top bunk and I was the Queen of England and I beheaded them all. Oh, you mean the Queen of France or Scotland? No, I was England all the way for life. (laughs) I only know of Bloody Mary and Marie Antoinette that beheaded people, but. I created my own. I'm very creative. (laughs) Don't walk all over her imagination. That's right. (laughs) She brought it to me. I'm going to break it apart. (laughs) This is why we can't have nice things. And why you can't take me anywhere. Are there any other films that we want to make a shout out to, whether they be horror films or horror films that are filmed in Utah? Very briefly. I mean, there's a bunch. And I could do this all day. But one that gets forgotten that is filmed that had parts of it filmed in utah is the exorcist 2 I was yeah. that was on my <laughs> list too and i forgot it in the desert and like out of all of the exorcist movies that's like the one nobody watches because it's just not good <laughs> yeah it's because it's two you don't ever watch the follow-up but three's good yeah so but that's but anyway. kind of like in my opinion, as a as a horror fan, that's like the unwritten rule, right? The second one is always shitty. Like no matter what franchise it is, like I think the only franchise I've ever seen where the second one was decent was Halloween Two, but that's because it was a continuation of the first story. I beg yeah. to differ. The Evil Dead Two, <laughs> but that's a retelling of the first one with better it's effects. Still the second one. Oh, you got me on a technicality. The opposite- you didn't hear Bruce. <laughs> The opposite is true for sci-fi and fantasy. That's the true. third one that usually sucks, except for Lord of the Rings, where the yeah. third one was like, hey, we got to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Why is it like that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like first- saying it's an unwritten rule. Like, it's a rule somewhere that we all, like, subconsciously follow. Right. I mean, I saw Return of the Jedi before I saw either of the first two Star Wars. So I'm biased toward that being my favorite. <laughs> and everybody else, all the other Star Wars fans are, how can that one be your favorite? It's because it's first. <laughs> because it's my favorite and I don't have to. <laughs> because I don't need to justify my preferences to you. <laughs> what are some of your all-time favorite horror movies or horror movies that you yourself find yourself watching every October to get into the spooky vibes of the season? Lately, uh, I've been on an exorcist kick for a couple of years now, mostly because of my last book. Um, What is it about exorcism that enthralls you so much? As a side question. 
I love that battle between good and evil and sort of the religious based horror films do that better for me than anything else. But all horror is that, is that, you know, that battle between good and evil and they do it. You know, it's a place where you can actually really show it and be like, here is good and here is evil right. and we're going to fight. Um, I'll, you know, I got to watch Hocus Pocus with my wife. Of course. <laughs> That's and, a must. And I watched The Nightmare Before Christmas with my son. Um, Does your son... So that movie came out when I was eight, right? And I grew up with Freddy Krueger movies. Um, and like, I watched Beetlejuice and all sorts of crap growing up. But that particular movie when I was eight, seeing the little kid walk around a town with his eyes sewn shut and then another dude in overalls with an axe in his head really disturbed me as a child, like to the point where I was like, I can't watch this. Does your, is your kid okay with that? Or does he find any disturbingness in the stop motion animation? He absolutely loves stop motion animation. He loves it so much that uh, he has to dive deep into special features on any stop motion that we watch. So like the Lego movies, it's like, mm -hmm. I want to see how they do this and move every little piece. And he really loves The Nightmare Before Christmas. There's not a lot of other scary stuff that he likes. Like he can't go into the Spirit Halloween store without getting freaked right. out. And that's okay. He's also eight. I was going to say, time. how old is he? Because he sounds like he's under 10. Yep, he's eight, and we watched Ghostbusters last year, and he thought that was great. So he his limits don't stretch quite as far as mine do or did, even at that age, and that's okay. I'm totally okay with that. Like, I don't push it too hard. If he's interested in something, then we'll have a look. Um, randomly, I came home where I was out somewhere, and I came home and he and my wife were watching the Disney Haunted Mansion, the one with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and he thought that was fantastic. And I'm like, I saw that when that came out. Starts with a suicide. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. And he was fine. And actually, tonight, on this day of our recording, we're going to watch The Muppets Haunted Mansion. Yay, and he nice. is extremely excited. <laughs> so, well, it sounds like you're doing yeah, dad right. I'm doing my best. Yeah. I'm doing so, my best. Sounds like you're doing it right. Kira, what horror movies do you find yourself watching in October? Um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> That's fantastic. That. It's, it's so good. <laughs> Everyone needs to watch it all the time. Um, I like Tale of Two Sisters. Ooh. Asian horror. Oh, okay. I was like. Yeah, it's really messed That's up. That's a good one. Yeah. You don't know good horror until you watch some good Asian horror. Oh, especially, especially the Korean stuff. They're, yes. They will go places where <laughs> no one else will go. This is, um, have you heard of the movie Uzumaki? Yes. Have you seen it? That's good stuff. That's so right weird. <laughs> the comics. Have you ever read a Junji Ito comic? No. So Uzumaki is based on a graphic novel by this guy named Junji Ito, I-T-O. And just, you could Google him and just look at some of the images from his stuff and instantly be freaked out. Oh, I love it. I'm going to have to check it out. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there was a push a couple months ago. He had a new book out and like all of the Barnes and Noble stores around the country 
we're promoting it and it's like please do that that is mm. awesome push junji ito definitely i love that show so much i think more people need to pay attention to that because it's a whole other level yeah. <laughs> it is. well like i said all of that imagery is stuff that he drew and what's great is like he's one of those horror people who's actually just a nice person and loves cats and smiles and is happy and then just dumps all of this horrific stuff onto a page and i absolutely love it oh that's the best because you're like where did that come from <laughs> well it's it's weird because horror people have this perception of being you know weird and we are yeah um but most of us are like actual just nice people it's like true. we're nice we're nice to each other and we're friends with each other mm-hmm. and we like to wear black but we do experiment with other colors <laughs> it's true and we experiment with other music like one yeah. of the best things um midnight mass the mike flanagan netflix thing that just came out uh-huh one of the best things about that show is all of the neil diamond songs in the beginning that's <laughs> true and you know people if you're a horror person you know they oh you just listen to all that dark deathcore metal it's like i like songs that i can understand the words to <laughs> oh i like johnny cash and i like neil diamond and that's okay yeah and, and if it comes on the radio i'll belt out country roads with john denver i don't care <laughs> good old john denver <laughs> well and those are the songs when they're used in horror movies become the creepiest because yeah. you don't expect them like john denver rocky mountain high mm-hmm. it's used in final destination right uh-huh. and I, I saw that movie with my younger brother and one of our younger cousins in cash valley and then it snowed and so we <laughs> drove home in a snowstorm and that song came on the radio and we were pretty sure we were gonna die we oh, didn't we're alive still but <laughs> but using those kind of quote-unquote normal songs in horror movies is so powerful i absolutely love it it really I, is i drop those kind of things in the books too which is fantastic awesome all the more reason for everyone to read them <laughs> there's lots of reasons <laughs> yes <laughs> i i really like I mean, I'm a huge music person anyways, but I believe that music is like, just adds so much more to any kind of a story, be it a play, a movie, a TV show, written word, any of that. It just adds all that extra to it. It really does. Because it's also part of life. Yeah. Don't not listen to music in our lives. So why shouldn't it be in the books and the movies? very true the only thing you have to be careful of is like quoting lyrics because then you'll get slammed if you don't have permission really i don't know oh, yeah it's, it could be pretty bad and like the best songs can be pretty expensive so you kind of you can like mention a title but uh-huh. if you start quoting lyrics without permission you're toast oh wow that's good to know i always thought you could quote anything as long as you gave credit to whoever nope. created it huh nope. Some, like you could quote there's a lot of fair use stuff like you yeah. can quote you can quote lines from books but like if you start quoting a whole paragraph you're going to get in trouble like in your own fiction like if you were making a commercial product right, right. um and like if you read Stephen King books and he's got these whole sections of music lyrics his publishers paid for those 
wow. See, I and never, yeah, I, I don't have that, that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yep. In the month of October, I like to watch Trick or Treat by Mike Doherty. Yep. Um, and then Young Frankenstein mm-hmm. by Mel Brooks. That's my favorite Mel Brooks one. <laughs> and then I always have to do Legend of Sleepy Hollow, like the Disney one. Yes. I mean, even to this day, the clouds going over the moon when he is riding a gunpowder in the forest, that still to this day gives me chills, just like it did when I was a little girl. That's a good one. My my sister and her ex-husband lived in Sleepy Hollow for a while. And so, of course, I had to visit. Yeah. How was it? It it looks just like that. I mean, some of the buildings are newer. But the funny part is the Headless Horseman is on all their stuff. Yeah. It's on the police cars. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's awesome. It's the mascot of the town. But the crazy thing is it was only after the Tim Burton movie. Oh. That they named it Sleepy Hollow. It was North Terrytown. That's what I was going to say. another village called Terrytown. Yeah. But finally, in the late 90s, everybody was like, okay, look, we just need to do this. <laughs> they should have done it to begin with, because um, I've read the Washington Irving one, and of course, I've seen the Tim Burton film, but um, Washington Irving places you where it's at. He tells you that it's alongside the Hudson River. It's just outside of Terry. It's just north of Terrytown. I- it's It's not even a town. It's actually a glen. Like, yep. it's just next to the forest where people had set up, and it was just primarily Dutch settlers. So... Um, I, I knew that it was called, I thought it was part of Terrytown originally. I knew that it wasn't actually a town and that they didn't incorporate it until the popularity of the story, but I thought it was Irving's story, like after he passed, not Tim Burton's popular yep. cinema yeah. masterpiece. Yep. It hasn't, hasn't been that long. Which is great. I really want to go. I still need to go to Sleepy Hollow and Salem and all those spooky places. I need to go to Salem too. But, I want to go to the Lizzie Borden house really bad too in Fall River. I would go to Salem, but I'm related to some of the people accusing people of witches. So I feel I'd probably get bad juju there. I will protect you. I think we're pretty much all, I think if you're a white person that has like Anglo-Saxon heritage, you probably are related to somebody who got burned as a witch. No, I mean I, like I'm more direct tap to it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Bad juju over here. <laughs> we'll just change your name and you can wear a cloak. It'll be fine. Right? Hi, I'm Gloria Smalls. I have an ancestor who came over on the Mayflower, and I'm not necessarily proud of that. Right? Yeah. I I didn't do anything, but this is how you got your ginger gene. It's from I the Mayflower. Think, I think that people that were done wrong back then will hold a grudge to all us living people that are related to the finger pointers. I mean. <laughs> I've, I've mentioned generational curses a couple of times, but it's a, it's a real thing. Like you can See? feel that energy from generations to generations. Really um, so for music, what, what do you, I didn't see your list, TJ, only curated. So this is going to be a treat for me. <laughs> so let's, let's do a round table of scary music for scary movies. The round table of the knights who's saying me. Only a flesh wound. Come back so I can bite you to death. <laughs> we could quote that movie all day. <laughs> this is probably like the fourth episode where we've 
<laughs> it's always the same jokes too. It really is. We need to like quote other. We need to start watching the Flying Circus. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Dude, I miss the Flying Circus so much. So what you're saying is that it, now it's time for something completely different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Zing>. <laughs> TJ is on it like Blue Bonnet. Uh, I'm doing my best. Right? <laughs> I love this playlist idea because I picked songs that weren't necessarily all scary, but still have scary relations like we were talking about. Um, you want me to just go through this list? Yeah, yeah. Just, just start. All right. So my five songs for everybody, I picked White Zombies, I'm Your Boogeyman, because that's what I am. Is this something that you sing to your wife, like as a ballad too? Oh no, she would hate that. <laughs> but like people say, hey, if you were a professional wrestler or a baseball player, what would be your walk-up music or your entry music? <laughs> like, I'm your boogeyman. Like, that's got to be it. Right? It's so catchy too. <laughs> and so the next four songs I picked all have something to do with one of my books, which okay. is fun. So number two, Stone Sours, Say You'll Haunt Me. It's a good one. It's appropriate for your book. I, it is. I listened to that quite a bit while finishing Cry Down Dark. And, and now I have to ask you, did you ever cry while you were writing Cry Down Dark? We shouldn't get into that. Okay. <laughs> this is fair. Yes. Yes. Remember <laughs> that whole true story thing. Yeah. Minor and, detail. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, I hear from people that they that it's an absolute heartbreaker and made them cry more than it scared them. And I'm totally okay with that. So, you just wanted to cause agony to humans by reading your story in one way or another. That's, that's my job. That's how you remember. It is. So number three on this list is Willie Nelson's Help Me Make It Through the Night. It's a good one. I like it. So I have a story in my second book, the collection, Asleep in the Nightmare Room, which has a karaoke host on the Vegas Strip who happens to be a vampire. And he sings this song. <laughs> and so if you listen to the song and think about vampires, it takes on a little different meaning. I'm going to do that now. <laughs> you should. Number four on my list is the cover version by Tori Amos of the song, I Don't Like Mondays. <gasps> I love I have, it. I have an essay in my third book, The Private Lives of Nightmares, which is about the true story of this song. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the song I Don't Like Mondays is based on a 1979 school shooting yeah. in San Diego. And, and the reason was I Don't Like Mondays. And number five, related to the book Tell No Man, deeply set in Utah, is a song from the Footloose soundtrack, Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero. It's a good one. I like it. Like everybody listens to Totally Clips of the Heart, and I love that song. But <laughs> holding out for a hero, which is running through my head right now, <laughs> is from the Footloose soundtrack. So there you go. Beautiful, Kira. Yes. What is your What is your list? So since we're doing horror movie themes, well, not themes, but whatever i forgot words i need more coffee um, <laughs> we're doing a scary movie gore lore so what is your glorious list ah! <laughs> so um 
first one new year's day kill or be killed it's a good song to sing if you're in a movie running or yes running. and you might actually be killed mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which would be me because i've always wanted oh, to yeah. be the first one to die in a bad movie I, i'm just the dope that trips and then I, dies we that way. in life is what we do and then um motionless and white voices mm. tapping into the crazy side <laughs> and thrice black honey that's a good one it's so catchy and just melodic it's just yeah thrice does some good stuff i'm also gonna go with a rob zombie song yes never gonna stop yes this is red red groove right that's yeah the, yep, yep yeah oh yeah bring in some craziness in there too you gotta have the rob zombie i'm the only one that didn't put rob zombie on my list i think <laughs> Shame. i thought about it and i was like you know what i've already used rob on other ones i could easily just do rob for the whole list i'm gonna challenge this what i'm your assignment one episode is gonna be solely rob zombie ramstein's gonna be so jealous they are <laughs> it'll get us it'll get them to listen to us surprisingly i didn't put ramstein on my <gasps> I was trying to branch out. Oh my God. Your it is a rainy day. <laughs> it is rainy. Is it rainy over? In your yeah. Area? Is it rainy in your desert? It looks sunny. <laughs> uh, it's kind of cloudy, but no actual rain. I'm not in the rainy part of the state, but I could use some rain. I like rain. You can take some of ours. Even yeah. We need the water. <laughs> so I also pick Apocalyptica with Christina Scavia, SOS. Ooh. that's for the creepy kid yeah like side. like trying to call out for help sos mm-hmm. nice <laughs> let's see that their cover of enjoy the silence not <gasps> apocalyptica but lacuna coil um, coils i got to interview them once oh i love them all. so much back in the journalist days back in oh, the journalist man. days <laughs> okay so going on the episode last time where we were just talking about music I forgot to say Christina Scavia is one of my music influences. So I'm just throwing that out there. (laughs) For the people that are stalking us and making little notebooks about the things that we like and don't like. Yeah. How was it to interview Lacuna Coil, by the way? Well, I only got to interview the rest of the band, not her. Uh But that was kind of my thing. I did, I sort of specialized in the music journalism. So I- coincidentally interviewed them in las vegas when they opened for rob zombie <laughs> great time. I, tried, I tried to get a zombie interview and it just uh-huh. did not work out but i did see him and sherry in the hall and got a high five from john five sweet that night which was pretty sweet but <laughs> they were fun you know because um their english is pretty good it really is and, but they still had you know, very heavy Italian accents, mm-hmm. which you can't, you don't really get in the vocals very much. So yeah, you know, they weren't necessarily my funnest interview, but it was still a good time. Yeah. What was your funnest interview? He sadly passed now, but I interviewed Wayne Static <gasps> oh. and we, it was in Seattle and we spent the interview in the band's RV watching the owen wilson movie you me and dupree <laughs> before a heavy metal show she was just hilarious <laughs> and the dude's hair was already up oh yeah and i'm pretty sure it's just up all the time like that but that probably sleeps like that 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, if he was but, using the same shit that I used when I had my mohawk, you can't wash that out and you do sleep yeah. in it. Yeah, that was that was fun. Is that yeah. is that all of your list? Do you I have a, a lacuna coil song. Mm. Blood, tears, and dust. I like it. Appropriate. Yeah. And their music video is definitely a horror movie. It really is. That's yeah. a good one. I just love the I love her voice. <laughs> I could go on for <laughs> days about her. She's a fellow Gemini too. Yep. Interesting. I would love to just speak my terrible Italian with her good Italian. <laughs> so like you're kind saying of be, it wrong. <laughs> well, it would be like the mirror effect because you're Gemini's. I know. See, Christina, <laughs> if you're ever going to listen, let's be buddies. We're Gemini pals. <laughs> Hit her up on Instagram. She's all over that. She is. And twi- I follow her on everything. I'm not a stalker, I swear. <laughs> the first song I have is not a horror song, but it is featured in Nightmare on Elm Street 4, um, The Dream Master. It is Anything, Anything by Dramarama. I love that song. Yeah. Daryl Chemical Company also did a version of that. So, and their name comes from um, Return to the Living Dead. So check that out. The second one I have is Last House on the Lift by Argyle Goolsby. Nosferatu by Blitzkid. Because mm, who solid. doesn't love Nosferatu? Mm-hmm. Blood in My Eyes by Calabrese. Jigsaw by Mental Hygiene. Got a little thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, thriller. Because it's not Halloween without the zombie dance. It's um, not Halloween without Vincent Price. It's true. Touche. <laughs> uh, Bigger Shop of Horrors by Mr. Monster. We're going to do Nasty by The Damned because he talks about video nasties, all the movies in the 80s that were banned in Britain because they were slasher movies. Um, and then I did two of the Misfits. I did Night of the Living Dead and Hollywood Bob Babylon. Nice. I got Evil Dead by The Stellar Corpses, Santa Carla Twilight by Tiger Army, and the theme song from Young Frankenstein by John Morris, but this is actually from the movie, the 1974 movie soundtrack. Google it because it's like <laughs> funk, like 70s funk with the yep. theme song. Like they do, they like have a synthesizer and like really like watery sound effects on the guitar. It's awesome. So that was my condensed list. <laughs> That's great. So would you like to plug in how people can find you and buy your books? Absolutely. I'm pretty easy to find because there is only one of me <laughs> in the world. Uh, for books, hit me up at TJ Tranchel, T-R-A-N-C-H-E-L-L dot net. And you can find my books there, updates on signing events, and any book that gets ordered through there, I sign and send right to you. I'm on the Amazon also if you need to go there, but it's so much better to have a signed book. Yeah. And I'm easy to find on Twitter. Again, same name. 
So I'm seriously like the easiest person in the world to stock if somebody wanted to. I, I found you pretty easy on Google. I found a lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we'll put you can find a links. bunch of the stuff I wrote. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll make sure to post links too so people can find you as well. Yeah. We'll have that on the Podbean and also on our social media. And if when we buy our book, are you going to put a special note in it for us since we're oh, like yeah. friends now, having interviewed you? I have some ideas. Yes. No, I have to buy a book. I can't get the digital one. See? You could. Touche. Touche. The actual book's more fun anyway. I just want to know what like bullshit he's going to write to me. That's all. I'm just, this is like yearbook school, like signing day. It is only better because we're all cool. It's true. Right. I'm not going to walk past you. Right. We all sit at the same lunch table. Right. You can sit with us. I remember on Wednesdays, we always wear black. Always. Did a pink? I never wear pink. Pink is I, not a good color. Point. I'm wearing pink on my head right now. Yeah, you do have some. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank, Thank you for you. joining us and chit-chatting with us and laughing with us. So we'll definitely plug your book and happy Halloween and happy birthday if we yeah. don't talk to you before then. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Thanks. Happy Halloween to you and everybody else out there. Even all these people in Utah. Halloween's <laughs> on a Sunday. If you trick or treat on Saturday, you get nothing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> The Lord might forgive you for keeping the day holy, but Kira and I won't. <laughs> or will I? <laughs> well, thank you very, very much. <laughs> thank you. Have a great day, guys. You, you too. too. Bye. Hey, scary. Yes, always. <laughs> hey, Kira. Yes, Mary. It's that time in our episode where we talk of sexy things <gasps> like silver foxes Ooh, i was gonna say we do talk about sexy things most of the time though. i know but this one's more focused <laughs> to one person kind of until we get derailed it is true what's uh whom i should say is our silver fox today mr skeet what's his last name mary ulrich <gasps> what's he in he is in scream <gasps> Ooh. oh barely <laughs> He was the, and if anyone's not seen this, like, sorry, I'm going to burst your bubble. He he was the killer, along with one of our other silver foxes, um, Matthew Lillard. Lillard. Yeah, I was going to call him Illid for some reason. I'm like, my dyslexia is working against me right now. Matthew Dillard. <laughs> Matthew Dillard. <laughs> He's in my jar of pickles. So, Mr. Ulrich, as much as I like his name Skeet, because it reminds me of Skeeter from the Doug cartoon. And I think of, ah, Skeet, Skeet, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> his real name is Brian Trout. So he's a freshwater fish, apparently. Trout. But he is he is a good looking guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. He was also mm. at Weekend and Bernie's, but he was an uncredited extra. But that's where he started his, his film career. I had no idea. Yeah. And he was also, of course, the love interest of two of the characters in The Craft. And me. Well, yeah, because he was... He tra- he plays a really good jabroni. He does. He really does. So good. But when you look at him, he doesn't look like a jabroni. Like, when you look no. at his pictures, he looks like a really down-to-earth guy. Mm-hmm. 
I really liked his hair too, how he did that whole like Johnny Depp crybaby yes. type thing. Yes. And I didn't even see that movie because it's a chick flick, but yes. It's not really. It seems like a chick what? flick. No. Yes. Mary. Somebody. I am anti chick flick. I know this, but it's somebody, <laughs> somebody help me out with this because it's not a chick flick. It it's, looks like it's a chick flick. I know, but it's more of like a melodramatic musical. So it's like they're making fun of Grease. Which is also a chick flick. Grease is a chick flick <laughs> and it is a musical, but I'm saying like that Crybaby should be up your alley because they're making fun of them. Yeah. Somebody help me out. Somebody <laughs> let's oh. let's have a let's have a party and ju- let's have a crybaby party and convert Kira. Kira will not be attending. <laughs> Somebody kidnap her. Can I get an attractive man with a beard? I would go. He doesn't even have to have a beard. <laughs> he can just. Be can I get some attractive man to help me out with this project? <laughs> oh, Skeet! You know what? You can just kidnap Skeet, me. Skeet, I need your go. help, man. <laughs> Do me a solid. Does. <laughs> and you can just do me. Oh. <laughs> so Mr. Ulrich was actually in Law and Order. He was in the Special Victims Unit and Law and Order LA as, as Detective Rex Winter. Winter. I, I loved the Special Victims Unit. You know what? I just never watched them. Really? <laughs> yeah. Are you not into any crime TV? <laughs> Girl, I like real crime. <laughs> that's true. But that's what I like crime TV. I like the fictional crime and the real crime. I, I mean, watch both the documentaries and like the TV shows. Some crime ones. This but... is fair. This is Maybe fair. Maybe it was too popular and I was like, eh. And isn't there some old guy's ass in there all the time? Probably. Or am I thinking of a different cop show? I mean, there's a lot of asses on TV, period. Both, like, just in personality and in Gluteus Maximus. So. (laughs) You know what cop show I do like? Cops? No. (laughs) Although sometimes that was fun to watch growing up. (laughs) Reno 911. (laughs) That, good choice. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is pretty funny, too. It's, It's pretty funny, but... I find other stuff more humorous. Although I do think that um, Hot Rod is a is probably his best. <laughs> Where do you get off? <laughs> I'm sincerely sorry about the door. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was legit. I was too legit. I was too, too legit, legit to, to quit. <laughs> Good stuff. What did you say? I said you're ugly. <laughs> If you watch that again, that movie is so good. I love it when they dance and it's the two of hearts dance. Do you remember that part of the movie? No, I don't. They're like at this like gas station or convenience store thing and they're in the parking lot with the van on the side and then not Rod, but the three friends like his brother Kevin and the two other guys. Right. (laughs) They're dancing to the song two of hearts and oh my God, it is hilarious. I want to learn that dance. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we'll have to reenact it. Oh my god, Patreon, because it's so bad. Oh, it's man. amazing. If man. I'm drunk enough, I can thriller dance too. Oh, I would love to do the thriller. <laughs> so when we get a Patreon, yes, that's, that's what, what you guys will be paying for. <laughs> that and my voiceovers for <laughs> yes. the nun and other. Unless we get so big, we can do like traveling shows, like. You know, a lot I'm of so down too. with that. Me too. It'd be so we need I'll, to get out there. Yeah, I'll sing karaoke for y'all. 
I'll do really stupid things and then we can come hang out She'll with you She'll do interpretation dance. It will be fine. <laughs> I will. Like Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. I'll also read your tarot cards. It will be a jolly time for the whole family. Hell yeah. And then, you know, we'll take shots. Shots for everybody. <laughs> you get a shot and you get a shot and everybody we gets a shot. We all get shots. We all get shots. But only one because depending on the crowd's... <laughs> And then there's the hillbilly in the back with the shotgun that's like, and we're like, no, man, no, that's not what we meant. That's not I'd be like. I'd be like, as long as you shoot up there and we don't have to pay for damages, go for it. I thought we were making a horror movie. That's right. (gasps) Tucker and Dale versus evil. (laughs) Kira and Mary versus the dead versus the dumb dead. Yes. (laughs) Versus the plastic pickles from outer space. It's like Plan 9. Yes. You just like hang jars from the ceiling yes. with like pickles that have angry faces with the angry brows that are like the letter the letter V above the eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. This needs to happen. It needs to happen. And then we'll get our Bigfoot and assless chaps. Yes. And Tom Hardy. That's where all the money would go. To get Tom Hardy to do one or, scene, and he's going to be like, this is so ridiculous. This is, like, we know. I'm going to my trailer, which happens to be that cardboard box over there because they don't have a budget. We're like, but it says trailer. I wrote it on there. <laughs> oh, man. There is one pillow in there and my favorite blanket. You're welcome. <laughs> what else can we say about uh, our skeet ultra-rich He Silver needs Fox. to be in our movie, too. <clears throat> Yes. Mm-hmm. Is he going to lick bloody fingers? He's just going to be the sexy fingers. guy in the in the corner that's licking his hand. <laughs> he can lick my fingers. Do you want your fingers licked by him too? It's just like that's where the movie starts. It's just like him <laughs> licking bloody hands and it pans out. And it happens to be your hand like seductively reached out and he's like, like on his knees like licking your finger. He's on his knees now. Huh? Well, I would just imagine that like you would have to hold your hand up. <laughs> How tall is he? Let's find out. Taller than I am, probably. That's what I'm saying. That's why you'd have to be on his knees. <laughs> I was on Wikipedia. He's six foot. See? So he is tall. Ooh, he's a tall yeah. silver fox. So if, if he was licking your fingers and you just had your hand outreached, because, you know, it's uh-huh. supposed to look like it's his hand from the camera pan, and then when it pans back, you see that it's two people instead of one. We could just be sitting on a couch. Fine. <laughs> I was trying to get. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. We're sitting on lawn chairs. (laughs) Foldable lawn chairs. (laughs) Yes. Because it's our Plan 9 movie. (laughs) There's a little little text at the bottom that's like, circa 1958. (laughs) (laughs) This charming little movie. I'm wearing a band shirt from nowadays. (laughs) They're like, that's not from that era. How do you know? They could be time traveling bands. That's what I was just about to say. I'm like, sounds like we have a time traveler in this movie. All of them. Yes. So, Mr. Skeet Ulrich, you Mm. are our silver fox for the week. We love you. We do. We we love the movies you're in. You're finger licking good times. You are finger licking good. (laughs) Thanks for joining us again today, listeners, for our scary movie gore lore with our special guest, TJ Tranchel. And again, be sure to check out his works. He's awesome. He is. So keep listening to us because we got more stuff, more spooky stuff for the month of October. Spooky. So Mary. Yes, Kara. Where can they find us? Our listeners can find us at 801 
Horror0CCULT on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And if they are so bold as to email us, they may do so <laughs> at 801-HorrorCultVixVIX at gmail.com. So make sure you follow us, make sure you interact with us, and make sure you keep listening to us. And spread us like the plague. Like the COVID. <laughs> the COVID plague. So, Harry. Yes, Kara. What do we have going on next week? Next week, Kara, is our pre-ray for Halloween shindig. Yay! Hey, everything Halloween! Everything spooky and scary and horrifying. Well, we're going to party for Halloween because we wait all year for this time of year. Yeah, we do! Our time to shine. It is, so be sure you follow that light. La, la, la. The mom for boating house with the friendly jack o' lantern smile, that's gonna be where I'm at. I don't, I don't know where in the hell those honey kids are gonna lead you to. Probably this house. So join us next week. Yes. And, you know, check out our wonderful guest work. Yes. Oh, happy birthday. It's on Halloween. It is on Halloween.